This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everyone. It is Bryce and Ren here, co-founders of Equity Mates Media, and we're here to announce our IPO. That's right. Equity Mates' initial party offering is here FinFest is coming. We're calling all bulls, bears, and party animals. The market's closed, the bar is open, and we're trading ideas at Australia's biggest investing festival. With expert speakers, special guests, DJs, and booze, it's an inspiring and empowering event for investors of any level of experience. So save the date, 15th of October, 2022. Head to equitymates.com slash FinFest to register your interest today. Equitymates FinFest is powered by Stake. Hey, Equity Mates, before we get started today, we wanted to just jump in and share some exciting news that broke after we recorded this episode with Vicky. When we recorded, Vicky was the Chief Financial Officer at Telstra. The news has since broken that Andy Penn, Telstra's CEO, uh, is stepping down and Vicky is Telstra's new incoming CEO. So, Bryce, you could say that is the ultimate example of an equity mates bump. <laughs> you could. Uh, Longbow. <laughs> so, uh, but really exciting news. Doesn't change a lot in this interview because we were really focused on Telstra's future and their uh, strategy, which now Vicky will be in charge of executing as CEO. So, hope you guys enjoy this interview. We love doing it. So, enjoy. Equity mates. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is useful. Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast that covers our journey of investing. Whether you're an absolute beginner or approaching Warren Buffett status, our aim is to help break down your barriers from beginning to dividend. My name is Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you going? I'm very good, Bryce. I am excited for this episode. It's a real privilege we have to be able to speak to uh, some of Australia's top executives. And this one holds a special place in your heart because <laughs> uh, when you were a young man living in Wagga, uh, your first job was related to this company. And now you get to speak to one of their top executives. Full circle. How far you've come. <laughs> Full circle. <laughs> That's it. We are really excited to welcome to the studio Vicky Brady, who is the Chief Financial Officer and Group Executive Strategy and Finance at Telstra. Vicky, welcome. Thank you so much. And it's great to be with you both. And uh, Bryce, we share, we share a connection. So I grew up just near Wagga in the little town of Holbrook. So oh, nice. With the submarine. Indeed, the inland <laughs> submarine. That's the one. And a great bakery, I must add. So <laughs> this episode uh, of Equity Mates is in partnership with the ASX CEO Connect, which brings together listed companies and retail investors. It's hosted virtually by the ASX every second month and is a great opportunity for you to hear from CEOs and leaders of some of the most popular companies on the ASX from the comfort of your own home and for free. So go to CEO Connect page on the ASX website to find out more and register your interest. Um, and we're partnering with them to bring some of the conversations to the Equity Mates community. Vicky has over a decade of experience working in Australia's telecommunications industry across the two major players in the space, Telstra and Optus. So Ren, Let's kick it off. Now, Vicky, we always like to start these interviews by uh, having the uh, company leader describe their company in their own words. And we tossed up whether we needed to do that for Telstra because everyone knows Telstra. <laughs> a lot of people are customers, maybe even shareholders of Telstra. But we figured we should always start uh, there. So to kick us off today, 
What is Telstra? Do you know, I think it's a good place to start and I would always start with our purpose. Uh, so our purpose is all about building a connected future so everyone can thrive. Now that sounds might sound all a little bit corporate, but I've just come out of um, a couple of days with 250 leaders across Telstra and one of the big topics was why. Why do we work for Telstra? And I can tell you, it is quite amazing how people inside Telstra are really driven and motivated by what we do. And that keeping Australia connected probably hasn't been more important than over the last couple of years. So absolutely what we're all about is making sure people can connect and, you know, whether it was working from home, studying from home, just shopping, getting essential items, um, keeping in touch with loved ones, watching Netflix, uh, I think the last few years have just reinforced how important that is. Plus, coming out of this period or in the midst of recovering from floods, you realise just how important that connectivity is to Australians. And so I think for me, when I talk about Telstra and certainly why I chose to join Telstra and I'm so excited to be part of the leadership team, it is really that purpose and um, keeping people connected. It's um, it's pretty exciting and never been more important. Well, Vicky, speaking of pe- keeping people connected, I just uh, went and visited my sister in Broken Hill uh, with my family. Some of them weren't on Telstra and they were very much not connected, uh, <laughs> but my sister and I were connected the whole time. So I can say that Telstra kept me very connected when I was in Broken Hill. <laughs> I'm so pleased to hear that. And actually, you know what? Having grown up in regional Australia, just like uh, Bryce did, For me, it really, I feel so proud of that because it is, you go to so many parts of regional Australia and um, Telstra is there. We've invested, we're there supporting communities, we've been there for decades and um, we will continue to be. So that's that's really exciting feedback. Thank you. We are all pretty familiar with Telstra. So this interview, we want to focus on what Telstra sort of hopes to become. And we feel like the right place to start is the T25 strategy that was delivered to investors late last year. Um, Can you tell us about the new T25 strategy? I absolutely can. Um, I might though just just for everyone's benefit, maybe just um, give a little bit of context about the last four years because it's really important to understand where we're now headed. So uh, we announced T25, which is our strategy that takes us out to 2025, so very creative naming. (laughs) Um, We announced that in September last year. And right back in June 2018, we announced the current strategy we're just finishing executing on. So we've got just uh, three more months to go. And it was called T22. So you can pick up, that was to 2022. (laughs) You can pick up our naming convention there for our strategy. And really um, why I want to talk about that, because the foundations that have been created through the last four years of delivering on that are so important for where Telstra is headed out to 2025. So just to put in context, when we announced T22 in June 2018, um, it was a pretty turbulent time for Telstra. We were in the midst of the NBN migration and fortunately we're nearly through that now. But that takes about $3.5 billion of recurring EBITDA out of our business as we transition customers across to the MBN. So obviously the government made the decision to renationalise that infrastructure in Australia. And so as you can imagine, that that actually, just to put in context, um, was about a third of our EBITDA and at an impact level, our bottom line, it was about half. So that's a really, really big change for any company to go through. And so in June 18, we said, okay, that size disruption to our business is enormous. So our response needs to be equivalent. We need to fundamentally transform the foundations of Telstra to set us up to be able to deliver for customers to compete and operate in a whole um, different context. And so just to put in context, that strategy had four key pillars. The first one was radically simplifying um, the business for our customers to make it easier and to digitise how we really engage and make the experience simpler and better. And so just as an example, I was running consumer and small business uh, when we announced T22 
and for the first year of it, uh, we went from 1,800 plans for our customers down to 20. I can tell you when I announced that, um, there are a lot of people in the financial community that rolled their eyes and said, well, that's never going to happen. Great aspiration, sure. Um, We've done that. So we've absolutely implemented just um, 20 in-market plans uh, and we've now got um, the large, large majority of our customers on those plans. And that's a really big change for a telco. So we don't have a back book anymore. So if you're with Telstra, um, you've got the in-market plan. Any changes we make to our plans and pricing, um, customers used to talk about a loyalty tax. The longer I'm with you as a telco, you know, I get a worse deal. Well, that's not the way it works with us anymore. And in fact, 9.4 million of our services now are on those plans. So that was a really big change. We also um, set up InfraCo as a standalone business unit. That's a really important one when I come to T25. Um, We also radically changed the way we work internally. So we adopted Agile. We now have more than 17,000 people working in Agile. And as part of that, we really fundamentally changed our structure. We took out of the organisation about three to four layers of management And in fact, the fourth pillar was all about we needed to get really cost efficient. So as we made the experience better for customers, it also actually took out um, cost out of our business. So by the end of this financial year, we're on track to remove a little over a third of our fixed cost base. So take out $2.7 billion of recurring cost on an annual basis. So, And underpinning that, we have built new digital stack, Um, We've also continued to extend our leadership on the network side and 5G is a great example of that. Now, the reason I I wanted to give that context, so T22 was a real strategy of necessity. We had to really re-plumb the organisation and change its foundations and um, it's pretty exciting to be three months from the end and um, we're well on track. Now, we put very bold, transparent ambitions in market um, and actually we will be, um, we'll complete more than 80% of those things, which were really bold. As I said, many people didn't believe we would meet many of them, um, and it's exciting to be here. So that means T25, if T22 was all about necessity, T25 is now pretty exciting because our starting point is so different. And so this strategy out to T, out to 2025 is really all about now leveraging those foundations. How do we keep growing now the core of the business, but importantly, how do we diversify where that growth comes from? Uh, And so it it is an exciting time. So let me, I might just give you a couple of bits on T25 because I'm sure we'll get into it in more detail. Mm. Uh, Like T22, it's, it's built around some real fundamental pillars that are critical to the strategy. So firstly, it starts with the customer. So delivering exceptional customer experiences under T25 is absolutely our ambition. We've we've done some great work radically simplifying and really improving things, but we absolutely want to be a market leader on customer experience. And so that's at the core of the strategy. Second part of it is, you know, being a leader in network and technology solutions is right at the heart of who Telstra is. And that absolutely continues to be the case under T25. And there is so much going on in the technology space at the moment. So pretty exciting period ahead. Mm. Uh, And we very much intend to continue being that leader, not just in Australia, but actually globally. And if you look at 5G, um, yes, we're absolutely the leader here in Australia. We've got more than twice the coverage of our nearest competitor right now, but we're in the top few Uh, telcos globally in terms of where we're at on 5G. So we want to keep that lead. The third bit, which is an exciting one, if you happen to be a shareholder of Telstra, is to create really sustained growth and value for our shareholders. This is, we've made commitments around growing underlying EBITDA, growing underlying EPS for our customer, for our shareholders. And um, that is really exciting because we've got strong cash flow, which is all about making sure we can maximise our fully frank dividend and seeking to grow it over time, whilst we also invest the growth 
and um, generate more returns for our shareholders. And then the fourth part, to be able to do that, we have to absolutely attract the best talent to join Telstra. And so it is all about the place people want to work. So making sure people are excited and want to be part of Telstra. And that's um, that's got a few components to it. Definitely our ways of working, the agile ways and continuing to drive that, that is critical. Um, and particularly today now in this new world of hybrid and flexible working, we've been at the forefront of that and we absolutely intend to stay there. Uh, the other things that are important in there is digital leadership and those skills and capabilities and doing business responsibly. I started with purpose and I think purpose is just so important for our um, team members. So that's a little bit of a taste of what's to come and um, I'm sure we'll dig further into it. Yeah, I love that. I love the uh, the grounding of T22 in necessity and then T25 is all about, I guess, opportunity. And when we uh, had a look at T25 in preparing for this interview, we summed it up as sort of three pillars, uh, new technology, new markets and new verticals. Yeah. And I would love to sort of go through each of those one by one. And you mentioned 5G and when we talk about new technology, we have to start with 5G because we've heard so much about it for the past few years. Uh, there's a lot of hype. There's a lot of excitement. Um, and Telstra's got pretty big targets, uh, big ambitions, aiming for 95% of the population to be covered by 5G by F25 and 80% of traffic on 5G by that time as well. So if you're on Telstra in 2025, you're likely going to be on a 5G network. So can you talk to us about 5G? And importantly, is it going to live up to all the hype that we're hearing about it? What a great question. And we do love a bit of hype in our industry. There's no doubt about it. Um, but I do genuinely believe 5G is, is absolutely a game changer. Um, and I say that for a couple of reasons, or actually there's quite a few reasons, but let me distill it down. It definitely means more speed. It means more capacity. And it absolutely means more connected devices. So um, it, it is truly a game changer. Now, I'm sitting in the chair as the CFO, and so there's one thing I did want to start with that a lot of people ignore um, because everyone wants to jump to the exciting use cases, which I will come to because they are. it is something that I know everyone wants to talk about, and um, I get pretty excited about that too. But before I get to that, one thing I did want to highlight is um, 5G, and as I think about 5G, in terms of what's its business case for Telstra because obviously we invest a lot of money in rolling out new technology. So you've got to start with, okay, what's that going to deliver for customers and what's it going to deliver for our business? What sort of returns? Um, and you want to marry those things up tightly together. Um, so 5G is um, really important for us because data consumption, no surprise, I'm pretty sure everyone listening um, uses their mobile phone now a whole lot more than they did uh, 10 years ago and the sorts of things they do on it now demands a lot more data. So our data on our mobile network is growing at anywhere between 25 and 40% every year. Wow. And the great thing about 5G is it's way more efficient um, than 4G. So every generation of technology gets more sophisticated, it gets more efficient at delivering data. And so for us to be able to meet all those needs of people who are streaming things or they're doing um, video calls or all sorts of exciting things over their devices, um, 5G is so important to enable that because it does give us the speed, the capacity and the ability to connect more devices. So for us to be able to afford um, to deliver all of that in a really efficient way to our customers, it's, um, it's really important. So definitely number one, the business case stacks up for 5G. Now, getting to the more exciting bit that I'm sure everyone um, is interested in are the use cases. And I'd say I have actually, you were a bit kind at the start. I've been in the industry more than two decades oh. now. So um, <laughs> I've been uh, quite a few generations of uh, technology. And it's really interesting because we often in hindsight looked back at each generation and go, oh, yeah, 4G was all about enabling mobile video and, you know, mass social media use. Um, when we launched 4G, we didn't know that. 
to be honest. Um, <laughs> we launched it. We knew it had all of these amazing capabilities and actually then the use cases, people start to realise what it's capable of and you see the innovation happen all around the ecosystem. So, so as we stand here today, you know, we're in the thick of rolling out 5G now uh, and the use cases are evolving. Uh, and I'm sure if you speak to me in five years' time, we'll sit here and go, oh, yeah, 5G was all about X, Y, and Z. Um, and so but there are some things we're already seeing. There's no doubt um, Internet of Things is really important, that connecting devices in a whole new way. Uh, we're certainly seeing in the um, consumer world a real change, I think. You know, anyone who's um, interested in uh, gaming and being connected, you know, your experience on 5G is fundamentally different. It just has a whole different environment, particularly in terms of something called latency, which is so important, how quickly it responds. Um, you know, this is wireless technology that a couple of decades ago engineers would have said wasn't possible. So it, it, is, it is different. It, it will allow a whole different environment, particularly in terms of upload. And, you know, download's always been important, but now upload becomes very important. You know, people out in the field working, journalists, for example, wanting to upload um, 4K or 8K video, um, you can now do that over 5G. Um, you know, in the medical world, doctors being able to work remotely and, and look at high-resolution scans and images, you know, 5G enables that. Um, and there, so there is so much to come on 5G. We're only at the very early stages of it. And I just, I think that's the bit we're excited about, how we collaborate, how we work, how we bring our technology closer to customers. And there's a lot of talk about edge compute. So putting 5G connectivity and edge compute together, you then roll in things like AR and VR, um, and you can just, there are uh, an endless amount of possibilities about how this can make a difference in so many industries across Australia. And um, that, that's the bit that's exciting for 5G, I think. Yeah, it is a really interesting time. A technology that we have a close eye on here and our community does is the metaverse. So glad you mentioned AI and AR there as well, because thinking about what that could look like in five years time and uh, well I think and how Telstra plays a role in bringing that to life is pretty amazing but um, let's move to new markets so many many people may not be familiar with the fact that Telstra um, has an international business is a leading telco in the South Pacific and a key part of the T25 strategy is to actually expand into new markets, uh, strengthen your Asia-Pacific leadership and expand reach of your global infrastructure. So what does Telstra's international business look like by 2025? Yeah, look, and it is an interesting one, actually. It's amazing. I talk to a lot of people and um, a lot of people don't realise, actually, the size of our international business. It's a bit of a little hidden gem inside Telstra. I'll give you a little bit about what the business is today and then I can um, give you the context of where we're headed with it. So our international business, we've actually been operating it now more than 70 years, wow. which is quite extraordinary. Uh, we operate across 31 countries around the world. We've got about 1,500 people in our international business um, located all around the world. Uh, and a big part of it is access to submarine cable systems. And so we have access to about 26 submarine cable systems here in Asia Pacific. We own, fully own three of those. And in fact, we carry around one third of all of the intra-regional traffic here in Asia on our submarine network. So it's a really big business. Um, it delivers, last year it delivered revenue of about one and a half billion dollars and almost 340 million in EBITDA. So it is a sizable business all on its own right. Um, and uh, the customers in that business, we have wholesale customers and we have enterprise customers. So it, it sits within internally in Telstra inside Telstra Enterprise. So it is um, a big business to business um, part of our business. And so what are the ambitions um, for Telstra International? So firstly, 
like Telstra, it is very focused on really leading from a customer experience point of view. So it's put a very bold ambition out there. It wants to get to a strategic MPS of more than plus 60, so right at the top end as a leader, and it has great relationships today uh, in its business, but it is very boldly going after improving that further. In terms of the financial side of the business, um, we're targeting to keep its EBITDA margin sort of in the early 20s, that um, early 20% EBITDA, so very strong return, and we're aiming to keep growing this business um, sort of around that um, low to mid single digit CAGR over out to T out to 2025 and absolutely being really a partner of choice. And um, again, you know, in the current geopolitical environment, um, we have a pretty special place given ownership of submarine cable networks, access to it, and obviously being a very trusted partner around the world. The other pretty exciting part in the international business um, last year, we did announce that um, Telstra would be acquiring Digicel Pacific, um, so a new acquisition, which um, we're just in the process of um, finalising and completing. But that is exciting. So this brings us into um, a new realm. So us partnering with the Australian government, um, as I said, are looking to finish and complete the acquisition of Digicel Pacific, and it's it's the leading provider actually, of communications across um, Papua New Guinea, uh, Samoa, Tonga, Nauru, Vanuatu and Fiji. And it holds either the number one or number two position in those markets. Um, so a major mobile provider and fixed provider in those markets. So this is a whole new, new um, area for us in the international business. So being on the ground in those markets, um, delivering for customers. So the international business has um, lots of things on its agenda at uh, 2025. It's a fascinating part of the business. We think of Telstra and we think of it being very Australian, but you, you sort of think about this whole Asia Pacific region, the, the growth that um, you know, we, we expect to see there, the growth of a middle class in the Asia Pacific. And um, you know, if Telstra can position itself there, it, it's pretty exciting. But look, uh, we will move to the third pillar, uh, which is new verticals. And, you know, Telstra, we think of it as a telco. And when we were reading through the strategy, the ambitions are definitely broader than that. And and two that stood out for us were Telstra Health and Telstra Energy. And, you know, telehealth has got a bit of, uh, bit of buzz during the the pandemic. Um, obviously, we've had to do a lot more things online. And then Telstra Energy, uh, Telstra wants to be a top five energy retailer by 2025. So no small ambition there. Can you uh, talk us through those two verticals? Why why you think they're, I guess, aligned with Telstra's core competencies and and what those businesses could look like in the next few years. Yeah, absolutely. And they're, um, they're both exciting, I've got to say. So Telstra Health, if I start there, it's already today. And again, there are so many parts of Telstra that you realise um, not everyone is aware of. But so Telstra Health already is Australia's leading health software and technology um, provider. And it actually has a glowing, uh, growing global footprint as well. Try saying that fast. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so health's actually, the Telstra Health business is one we've been in quite a number of years already, um, more than eight years, I think, in um, health. But what um, has been exciting to see over the last few years has been really um, how the Telstra Health team have really got in and brought parts of what is a pretty fragmented um, technology ecosystem around the health environment. And, and to your point, um, Alec, you know, through COVID, I think the health environment was forced to face into really quick changes in technology. And so our leader of Telstra Health, Mary Foley, often talks about, feels like um, there was a quantum leap, you know, in terms of adoption of technology. And so Telstra Health was in a great position because um, just to give you a sense of the sorts of things it does, um, it, it provides software and technology solutions that include um, electronic medical records, um, clinical and administrative software inside hospitals, in primary care, um, 
you know, if you ever go and get an e-prescription at a pharmacy, it is Telstra Health providing that technology that allows that to happen. And it's a key provider into the aged and disability care sectors. So it cuts across a whole bunch of areas in the health ecosystem and is helping bring that um, ability to connect those various pieces that have been fairly standalone over a long time. We've also um, made a couple of significant acquisitions um, last year for the health business. The first one is a company called Medical Director and it's a key provider of the practice management software that GPs use and GPs are such a key part in that health ecosystem. And so this was a missing piece of the puzzle for Telstra Health. And so it's a really um, strategic acquisition for us. And it'll really enable us to help sort of supercharge that digitization in the healthcare system and ecosystem. Um, and so that's been an important acquisition. Um, and so as we look at 2025, um, absolutely health again. Um, we like big ambitions and we like making them public and really getting behind delivering them. So Telstra Health's um, absolutely is to realise a connected and improved digital health experience for all. So um, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty happy about that whenever you have to engage with the health system. Um, I think making it easier and more connected would be a great thing because most people are going through enough stress when they're engaged in the health system. Um, taking one bit away and being able to connect those pieces together, I think is um, it's important and such a great thing for Telstra Health be, to be able to help enable. From a financial point of view, um, in terms of um, Telstra Health, in the first half of this current financial year, they delivered about $100 million in revenue and we're predicting um, that that will grow in the high teens in terms of revenue growth this year. So it's already a high growth business. We've added a couple of acquisitions and so our 2025 aspiration is to get it to be a half billion dollar revenue business. So um, that starts to get it to a pretty um, significant size inside Telstra. So that's exciting. Well, Vicky, no doubt that uh, there's some pretty big ambitions in that T25 strategy, but um, it's exciting to think, um, you know, what Telstra will look like and what our world will look like in, well, when we do make it to the end of that uh, T25. So we're going to take a very quick break and then on the other side, come back and have a chat about um, your thoughts on leadership and culture. So uh, let's just hear from our sponsors. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode is proudly supported by Vanguard Super. Vanguard Super's life cycle investment option is brilliantly designed for ease, automatically adjusting your investment mix as you get older. Okay, so Ren, what does that actually mean? It means that you can rest easy knowing your super is in steady hands. Vanguard Super leveraged 45 years of global investment expertise to automatically de-risk your portfolio leading up to and during retirement intelligently designed to focus on growth investments in your younger years and gradually introduce more defensive investments as you age, decreasing your investment risk as you near retirement, all without you having to lift a finger. Nice. So head to vanguard.com.au slash super to explore Vanguard Super. Vanguard Super Proprietary Limited is the trustee of Vanguard Super. Read the relevant PDS and TMD available at vanguard.com.au slash super and consider if a product is right for you before making any financial decisions. So Vicky, uh, when we speak to our executives, we love uh, digging deep on how you think about management and culture because as investors, it's really important for us to be able to understand the management of the companies that we're investing in. So do you have a leadership philosophy? Yeah, wow, well, that's a deep question, isn't it? <laughs> it is. <laughs> so I think if I had to distill it down in terms of my leadership philosophy, 
I truly believe when you put big ambitions out there, you bring teams around that. Um, And so I'm a big believer in diverse teams. There's no doubt you need lots of different thoughts around the table to get the best possible outcomes. And I truly believe in today's world, collaboration is more important than ever. So building that really trusted environment where people can work together, they can challenge each other, they can debate things. But when the call's made, you get behind it and you really get on with making it happen. So for me, um, that's really important in how I lead. Um, And so I, I love nothing better than making sure you've got the right team around that table. And I truly believe um, most people underestimate what they're capable of. Again, when you bring people around stuff and you put a big ambition out there and you get people focused on how do we achieve it rather than all the reasons why it's going to be difficult, I think it's a game changer. Uh, and so for me, that's that's really critical in how I try and show up as a leader. And I think it's evident in the way Telstra has operated over the last um, few years. Uh, You can feel it in the organisation, that excitement, that motivation. Yeah, at times it's slightly terrifying when you put big ambitions out there, but the excitement to get behind it and know you can trust your colleagues around you um, and that you're truly going to be better together. that for me really drives me. Yeah. Yeah. I I love that idea of putting out big ambitions and then turning to the team and saying, you know, we got to figure out how to get there. Like being really ambitious with the, with the vision. You mentioned part of the vision for T25 is being a real digital first business and being a real digital leader in Australia. And uh, we talk about a war for talent. We talk about the great resignation. We're saying Bryce and I were lamenting uh, before we got on mic today that we uh, couldn't find someone for a role we're trying to hire for. I can only imagine what that's like at a company like Telstra, especially when you're trying to hire digital skills that put you in competition with Google, with Microsoft, with whatever crypto startup is hot at the moment. How is Telstra approaching that challenge and how is Telstra going to attract and then retain the best digital talent? I think pretty much every company is now recruiting and looking for those skills and capabilities and talent that you spoke about. You know, every company I speak to is going through digitization of their business. So software engineers, they're like hot property in the market. So for us, um, what's been really important and actually it's been great to see quite a shift in how we're perceived in the market, employment market. Um, You know, it's not that long ago we would have been, people would have said, oh, Telstra, it's the old telco. I think through a lot of the stuff we've done under T22, the fact um, we haven't just talked about digitization and building a brand new digital stack inside our business and pushing into a whole lot of new exciting areas. Um, people are actually seeing that and it's getting talked about more. So um, we're in a very different position. That doesn't make it easy because, as you said, it's hugely competitive at the moment to attract great talent. But we're definitely seeing um, we've become much more of a brand name in the market where people with those skills and capabilities are looking at. And um, so we, we sort of approach it from a few few angles. Firstly, obviously, there'll be talent we want to attract, attract directly to work with us and it's really important how we show up and and the excitement of the work we're doing and I think the purpose I spoke about makes a big difference because people do talk about the great resignation but I know there's also an alternate view that it's the great realignment and in fact what is driving people having come out of COVID is I want to be working somewhere where I feel like I'm part of something bigger that it's making a difference and so For us at Telstra, as I talked about, connectivity is so critical to enabling so much today and it's it's been evident through this period. So we're certainly seeing people attracted to being part of that. We know we won't always be able to attract all the talent ourselves, so we do partner with others to make sure we get access to great talent and their capabilities. And I'll give you a great example. We announced recently uh, a joint venture with Quantium 
where we're oh, looking yes. at bringing our data, our understanding, our customer relationships together with, you know, their incredible capabilities in data science and analytics. So, so there's a myriad of ways. And then along with obviously continuing to invest in the development of our teams, making sure they've got exciting work and they're working in an environment that really empowers and enables them to be able to retain them. So that's what we're focused on. So Vicky, since uh, 2015, the Telstra share price has suffered a little down sort of 40%. So for those shareholders listening, um, how much time do you spend worrying about the share price and how do you address the concerns from long-term shareholders and employees? Yeah, look, I know a lot of people obviously as a listed company um, focus on the share price. And, and as I said earlier, you know, when you go back to 2015, that was really pre the NBN's major impact on our business. So, um, you know, that's taken, as I talked about earlier, about a third of our EBITDA out of the business and about 50% of the bottom line of the business. So, so it obviously has had a very big impact on Telstra and that's why T22 was so important. And if I, if I actually look um, when we announced T22 um, in mid-2018, if you look from there to now, actually yeah. our share price is up about 50% since June 18. Mm. So absolutely MBN's had a big impact with the government's decision to renationalise that. We had to respond. We have. And so we've certainly seen, um, you know, a, a very big difference in that trend since June 18. Now, I would say, obviously, so much um, goes into why share prices move. And we're seeing that at the moment in the markets. It's a pretty volatile time. So certainly what I focus on and as a leadership team, what we're very focused on is what is in our control. And obviously, that's our strategy that is executing on it and delivering against what we commit to, to get those um, outcomes for customers, for our teams, for communities, and then obviously ultimately those financial outcomes as well. So I focus a lot on long-term shareholder value. It is critical because for us to have, you know, the confidence and the right to keep investing, to deliver all those great things for customers and communities, uh, we've got to be delivering the right financial returns. So so that's how I think about it. Yeah, nice. Mm. We love that we got the chance to speak to you today and uh, we like to close these conversations by talking about future plans um, and we generally start by asking what the pipeline looks like for the next 12 months but I feel like we've covered a lot of that with T25 so uh, is there, I guess is there anything else outside of what we've discussed that we should expect or is it going to be uh, heads down, working on this T25 strategy, um, that's what we should expect. Absolutely. And I would call out um, we're in the midst of um, completing our legal restructure of Telstra as well. And that's an important one as we look forward. We didn't talk a lot about Infraco today, but um, part of T22 and then into T25 is we're standing up Infraco as a standalone business unit. And that's an important one. Last year, we did um, monetize 49% of our towers business um, at a 28 times uh, EBITDA multiple. So it unlocked a lot of value for shareholders. And so getting our new legal structure in place, which puts a holding company, it means we'll have an Infraco fixed subsidiary, our towers subsidiary, our international business, and then um, all of that rest of Telstra. Uh, Telstra Limited. So that, that's another key key piece as we look forward. Love that. Love the uh, 28 times EBITDA multiple as well. You've got to be happy with that. Uh, I guess uh, if you think about Telstra, if you think about the T25 plan and the, the big ambitions that you guys have, um, what's the greatest risk for Telstra uh, and, and their ambitions right now? Yeah, look, that is such a good question. And there's so many things you can talk about because um, certainly sitting in the role I sit in as CFO, you're obviously part of my job is to be thinking about risks. Um, but I, I definitely think I sort of step back and say for Telstra and actually globally at the moment, I think one of the biggest risks is obviously climate change. And um, we're finally seeing, I think, a very different engagement in climate change around the world, which is great. And certainly for us as Telstra, it's something we've... Um, really lent into and, again, set some really bold ambitions because, you know, we believe um, for Telstra's business, but importantly, 
um, for the world and um, the world we live in. It's so important to be on the front foot in terms of what we're doing around climate change. Um, so we've got a couple of big ambitions ahead of us and we set those big ambitions because I think where there's a risk, um, you don't want to sit back and react to it. You want to get on the front foot and say, how do we be proactive here? So on climate change by 2025, we've got a goal to enable renewable energy equivalent to the amount we consume. And we are a big consumer of energy in our business. I think our energy load is the equivalent of about 300,000 families energy in a year. So we're a big, uh, we do use a lot of energy running a network and rolling out new technology like 5G um, does take power. And so we've got that commitment to enable uh, renewable energy equivalent to what we consume by 2025. And then by 2030, uh, our goal is to reduce our absolute emissions by 50%. And so I think climate change is one of those risks. It, it must be on the list of, I would expect, every executive around the world at the moment. And so for us getting on the front foot when it comes to these sorts of risks, being proactive, taking real action um, is how we're, how we're approaching it. Yeah, and uh, we should give credit where credit's due, uh, Vicky. I so I before doing Equity Mates full times, I w- worked for Coles in their corporate sustainability team, and uh, we would look at Telstra as um, a good example. Uh, Telstra was the first Australian corporate to sign a power purchase agreement, I believe, first, but if not first, uh, right up there in 2017. Um, a little while ago, we listened to Andy Penn, the Telstra CEO, on a earnings call, and you know, climate was front of mind on on that call as well. So I think um, it's great to to hear that that's the risk that you guys are focused on, and and to see some of the things you're doing. But Vicky, uh, the final question we like to ask, you know, we like to be long term thinkers here. From all the experts we've spoken to, long term investing is the the way to build wealth. So. Uh, when we have a company executive um, on the podcast, we like to finish with a, a really long-term focus question. So if you think about Telstra in 10 years beyond T25, maybe beyond T28 and into T31 or whatever it is, uh, what does success look like for you? Yeah, wow, that's such a great question. And it's amazing how much changes in a decade, I think. Um, and in our industry, it's always going through change. But the thing that I'm excited about and I think about in that future, you know, even as you look at the government policy, the digital economy is so important to Australia's recovery out of COVID. And they've set some really big ambitions around that. And at the heart of that, Um, is infrastructure, telecommunications infrastructure. So as I look you sort of a decade out, uh, I think Telstra will be even more important in helping enable that digitisation of Australia. Uh, And I think where we're at at the moment, the sorts of skills, capabilities, work we're doing, it is the connectivity layer, but it is also helping bring together that technology ecosystem to really enable things. And I think the health, um, Telstra Health's a great example of that. So I, I'm i super excited about the future of what we can do. We touched on sustainability and, um, you know, it's on the agenda for all of our customers from consumer through to enterprise and government. And I think the role we can play with our technology and solutions to help enable a more sustainable future here in the country also excites me. And I I think Telstra will be in the thick of that. And um, I'm pretty excited about what the next decade holds for Telstra. It is a new era out from under the sort of transition of the MBN out of navigating that and into a period of of growth and being able to really help enable a a really exciting future here in Australia. Mm, It is incredibly exciting to think about the next decade. But Vicky, we thank you so much for your time. There's there's great value in uh, bringing, I think, the executives of publicly listed companies closer to our to our audience and retail investors as um, we get a sort of insight into how you're thinking about the business and, and future plans. So thank you so much. I know our audience would have taken a lot of value for that and we really appreciate your time. 
No, thank you. Thanks for having me. It was great chatting. And if you have enjoyed today's interview, the ASX CEO Connect Day offers conversations like these and more. So head to the CEO Connect page on the ASX website. Their next webinar is Tuesday, 12th of April and link will be in the show notes. The live sessions are available online if you are unable to attend. Again, information in the show notes on how to access those recordings. Um, But Ren, good to chat. We'll pick it up next week. Sounds good. Equity Mates Investing Podcast is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. Equity Mates gives listeners access to information and educational content provided by a range of financial service professionals. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Equity Mates Investing Podcast are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal finances. This episode is proudly supported by Vanguard Super. Vanguard Super's lifecycle investment option is brilliantly designed for ease, automatically adjusting your investment mix as you get older. Okay, so Ren, what does that actually mean? It means that you can rest easy knowing your super is in steady hands. Vanguard Super leveraged 45 years of global investment expertise to automatically de-risk your portfolio leading up to and during retirement intelligently designed to focus on growth investments in your younger years and gradually introduce more defensive investments as you age, decreasing your investment risk as you near retirement, all without you having to lift a finger. Nice. So head to vanguard.com.au slash super to explore Vanguard Super. Vanguard Super Proprietary Limited is the trustee of Vanguard Super. Read the relevant PDS and TMD available at vanguard.com.au slash super and consider if a product is right for you before making any financial decisions. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details financial circumstances. Equity Meets Media does not operate under an Australian financial services licence and relies on the exemption available under the Corporations Act 2001 in respect of any information or advice given. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast or video. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equity Mates website, where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equity Mates Media and the hosts of Equity Mates Investing Podcast acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea, and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today.